everyone. This is episode 17 of High Fantasy, member of the Broken Jars Network. Uh, and we actually have things to share for productivity, right, guys? Yep. Right. Yay, Yay things. All three of us. Things are things, <laughs> and we're excited for things. <sighs> we're not okay. just tall talk. Yeah, finally. Like, yeah, we, we did a thing, I swear. You can listen to us and take our advice. <laughs> won't shoot you in the foot. So uh, I I was I got tired of military stuff for a little while and I decided to go back to high fantasy things and I started making a map which is kind of what started this episode actually but then I specifically started thinking of what if I did an urban fantasy and I've been working on that for a couple of weeks and it's actually going really well so I'm happy <laughs> yay nice when all the minutia fall into place without too much effort. Yeah, I, I, it was glorious. I, I, I laid out a, a rule for how a magic system works, and then I started applying it to a modern-day diner, and it just all made sense. It was I was so happy. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Um, let's see. I've been working on two things mainly. I've kind of also pushed Corlex to the side just because I'm not feeling it. Um, the... Golden Girls in Space, who are also pirates, book I'm co-writing with Jeremy is coming along very well. Uh, it's a dark comedy, but they're pirates. It's it's gonna work, trust me. So we've got all the four major characters mapped out. Um, they weren't. And they were based off Golden Girls. Well, sort not really based off of Golden Girls, but a little bit. Uh, but the idea is like, hey, we've got four women who are supposed to be like crazy and zany, but also like really hard edged pirates who are trying to save their home planet. Yeah, it's because that sounds hilarious. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> this this came across because he was like, hey, I've got this really stupid pitch and he pitched it. And I was like, if we end it like this, it'll work. <laughs> and he's like. Oh shit! It will work. So we okay. You have the ending. Good. You you know what you need to get to. Knowing yes. the ending is really important. Right. And so we have each character mapped out. But what we've done is we made we each split the because there's four main characters, and we split them up. Like we rolled actually rolled dice to see who got which character, and we <laughs> sort of made them independently of each other. So when we actually go in and write. It's kind of like you're playing with someone else's toy instead of it all being in your in your head, you know. So that's done. We've got some locations done. I've got like four thousand words into this romance novel I've picked back up. Uh, I got inspired from our romance pot our romance podcast, so I've I've been writing on that a bunch, and it's just easy and it's fun and it's not like super like it's I wouldn't say it's not challenging, but it's not like. I don't have to think about all like the sciencey stuff because it's set in modern day. So I can just like, okay, they're in a big city where things happen. You know, I don't have to like handle all the locations are real or mostly real locations and things like that. So it's fun. It's just been fun. And I've been able to, there's been days where I've been putting down like 1200 words a day on it. So nice. Yep. Was romance our last podcast? Yep. Oh, wow. And that was when? Uh, yeah, that was a little while was ago. Was that March? Sorry, I got sick. I had uh. Easter. <laughs> like, yeah, since I think since Romance, I did, I've done like 
5,000 words on that, that romance novel I'm calling Reservations at 8. Oh. And it's, yeah, it's something I started years ago, like before Corlex, before a lot of it. It's like, and I never thought I'd pick it back up. And I was like, eh, I'll see what I can do. And now that's what I'm working on right now. I've decided to go back to my first love, dwarves. I <laughs> <laughs> and- Dragon Age and Warhammer and a lot of other things. And dwarves are just like one of my favorite races in fantasy. That Why? I think are criminally underrepresented in some things. Why and then are you your also favorite? have a story based on Dragon Age Origins. And how many books are you going to plan <laughs> for this? Since you tease all me about them. that all the time. More than one. <laughs> just just that? Just more than one? You don't have like five set? Like you... No, I mean, I could see working on it as a trilogy or something like that. <laughs> but... I have a general concept of the first book set and I've already written about 1500 words. I had like a scene in my mind as I was going to bed the other night. So I just started with that and started writing it just to see how it worked. And while writing it and having dialogue between characters, it kind of just, okay, well, I guess this event's happening because he just mentioned it and (laughs) it just sort of snowballed into its own world is coming together. Nice. I can't really count words. I've been doing a ton of world building, which is a lot of fun, especially when it works so well. But I, uh, my urban fantasy thing actually might not be written. I think I might be doing it as a graphic novel. So it's like, uh, one, I think it's evidence that I'm in some form of masochist because why the fuck am I trying to do this to myself? I don't know how to tell stories and pictures. I know how to do words. Are you, do you have an artist? No, I'm the drawing. (laughs) You can, cool. Yeah. I'm I'm okay at drawing. I'm not the best at it. See, I think I think I would be much better if I had an artist and I could do things graphically as well as verbally. I think I would be a I could tell much better stories that way. But I can't draw for shit. It's just like this is gonna be weird, and I I don't know. I'm trying to make a plan that I can like do it and and do the whole process and. I need to do the outline first, and then apparently I need to do a script because that's what everyone else does, right? And, and then from the script, I can do the, the images. You don't need to do like, anything. To if you, if you want to do it your way, do it your way. I mean, that's probably what I would do anyway because that's like how I figure out where the panels are and what they're doing. And people do it as a script format with like a doodle of where the panels are. It works. Yeah, I can also, see that. Also, Scrivener is amazing because it has a, 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 a format specifically for writing comic scripts oh nice yeah Yeah. amazing program like when i first sort of a like came up with corlex it was in graphic not you know graphic novel version but it never really like i just didn't have anyone who could draw it i had a few really cool concept pieces from an artist but she bailed on me so Mm. also it takes place in chicago but it's not a ripoff of dresden i swear Uh uh-huh I'm not. still not like. Uh-huh. We made sure of it. It's not. Uh, yeah, if it is too much like dressing, it's Colin's fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, but you do have I've to have a to call you. out to him, you know, like have like the blue beetle and like someone be like, "Hey, guess what?" <laughs> like I have that a call. Would be pretty funny if you just walked down the street and your character just noted a beat up blue beetle on the side and carried on with the story and never mentioned it again. 
Like, I have a call out to Dresden and reservations at eight, but it's uh, <laughs> like director Alex will stab me for it. I'm sure. I saw it. I just thought it was dumb. <laughs> I was wondering. It's not stab worthy. It's just dumb. How long did it take to get to stabbing? Eh. I should have made a bet on that. <laughs> Ooh, we could have a pool from our listeners, like every episode. How long does it take? How many minutes? And then they all lose on that one episode that we don't do it. But all right, let's get back into our topic. <laughs> it's 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 a double zero on the roulette well. <laughs> yeah, we're talking about world building and maps because that could be fun. It's also a huge time sink if you have world builders disease like me. Um, and especially if you overthink it and have all this indecision. It's a fun disease to have, though. It is a fun disease thing. It, and it's one of the reasons, like, I need a really big drawing table and lots and lots and lots of pens because I just, it, I need everything to be specific and perfect. <laughs> but, like, how do you build a map? I suggest starting with, like, the land masses or the water or whatever, like, without any cities or people or anything just think of the physical shape of shit the shape of shit that's it's important kind of windy and snow cones at the top <laughs> i'm not talking about a poop emoji <laughs> sorry you just, it was right there i couldn't help myself uh, it's funny because i usually start with a city i start with my central place of action Mm-hmm. decide where in the world I want that set. So if I want it set on a lake or on the coast or along a river, and then just gradually expand out from there into what the world would look like around it. I suppose that can work. It's just, I feel in my perspective, I need to have everything else kind of structured enough where I know where at least I can fill more details in and then get more close in. But I mean, if your perspective is like, this is where the shit is actually happening, I could just like hand wave something into existence over there and then put it all into place. It works. Yeah, because the people in the city are mapping it as they expand and whatever needs to be there can be there. Yeah. I mean, however you decide to work it, as long as it does work, it's fine. But starting with the raw geography, um, you have to, it's good idea at least to keep in mind things like, uh, tectonic plates. You don't need to get really specific into it, but you know, the way that mountains form in various ways or how like lakes and rivers form, drift. Rivers flow Sorry. downhill with gravity. Sometimes. And I mean, unless you'd make it magical because like, you know, raw physics of earth magic or earth sciences, I should say. Just, be aware that when you want to break the rules of physics, typically the reader will notice and will want an explanation. Mm-hmm. Maybe unless it's Discworld. There's always an exception to the rule. I just thought of that one. <laughs> All right. But, I mean... Rules are meant to be broken, right? With the, I mean, with explanations, usually. <laughs> but, yeah, there's rivers, they flow downhill usually starting from mountains into the ocean they don't just go off in the middle of nowhere they end up going back to the ocean keep that in mind right i was thinking about like i just realized i've never made a completely new thing before yes corlex 
takes place on Titan, like Saturn's moon, which you can have a lot of fun with because there's nothing there right now, but it does still have a definite size. And mm, that, you know, yeah. maybe just figuring out the size of your world would be a good idea, <laughs> you know? Yeah, knowing, like, how much uh, surface there is of the world. And if if you want to get really specific into it, if you're going to make it bigger or smaller than Earth, does it have the same amount of Earth's gravity? Because right. gravity is dependent on mass. Right, exactly. And like, is it going to be more massive, even if similar size, or what? Right, and so the like, yeah, it, and you'd be surprised, especially if you're if travel is a part of the story, how much that, how hard that is to actually get right. Like that is something I have struggled with: is getting the timings down for travel speeds because you're like oh it's going to take 12 hours but then you actually do the math and you're like well they're moving at like four miles an hour this doesn't make any sense you know so yeah, yeah. Get, the sense of scale is a really scale is a thing. very big deal yes i ran into that with a fantasy series they did where they traveled from one place to the other in the first book and it took them like six weeks and then the third book i need to have them travel that same distance and I realized, well, it's going to take them six weeks, and I can't really change that now. And like the the scale I built is the scale I have, and make sure you get it right. Yeah, or um, at least if you plot everything out beforehand, you can figure out how what it needs to be. Or maybe in that situation, you could like, this is how they did it magically. <laughs> I mean, if you're working with fantasy, you can do the magic shit. You just need to explain how it works. Do you really, though? Do you really? Usually, people get upset otherwise. And, you know, the, the Simpsons thing is like the... But he hit that rib cage xylophone thing twice and it had different notes. <laughs> Come on, it's been around forever. No oh, itchy and scratchy. Yeah. Also, I mean... It's interesting to take into account the uh, amount of biomes that exist, like all the different types of trees and the kind of temperatures where they live. Like if you want it to be very northern European, say, don't put a cactus there. But it could be a space cactus. Okay, but it can't be a saguaro. What if it just looks like a cactus, but isn't really a cactus? As long as you explain it. Just got to support it. Just the less fitting it is, the more you're going to have to explain it. Right, mm-hmm. but, but you mean you can explain it with a throwaway line like it reminded him of a cactus, you know, something he saw in an ancient movie or whatever, you know. It's not necessarily a cactus, it just kind of looks like one. Yeah, I mean, in thinking of all the flora, if you then turn to fauna, there are some interesting rules or, yeah, I'd say rules to guidelines about uh, the kinds of animals that live where. Like, generally, as you get colder, animals get bigger because they're able to maintain the heat better if they're bigger. It's, It's like, don't, I mean, don't generally have the giantest animal in the hottest place ever. Right. 
Well, but then you could get into just fun things about how, like, because that, that is the idea of, like, evolutionary traits that fall from Earth's evolution. So if you're on another planet or another, you know, fantasy, whatever, maybe you can play with that thing where they evolve differently. And it could be a whole backstory that could be interesting if you really want to get into to history about how this animal evolved over time. Yeah, and that can be fun because it's it's those kind of things that basically dictate how and where the animals live, the evolutionary history. And, like, why don't we have 20-foot dragonflies? Because uh, they don't have the atmosphere currently to be able to sustain themselves. They need too much oxygen and they don't have enough in our current atmosphere. So they they might have existed several million years ago. <laughs> But um, if, you know, you want something like that, you kind of need to explain how and why they do live, what what forces are in place to try to kill them and as well to keep them alive. Right. Okay. So another thing with um, distance that I've run into, especially writing more sci-fi, because you watch Star Trek, everything is lit. It, they're all like essentially Earth, right? You know, and this is something you run into when you go to a lot of different planets. But I was trying to be kind of accurate in Corlex. So I had to figure out a way to light Titan because I did the math and it only had like 10% of Earth sunlight that far out. So I had to like go in and like build micro suns that revolved around Saturn <laughs> to give itself there's actually math and like stuff for micro suns and so it's, but still like it's something that most people never think about. But if you really want to give your world an interesting twist, just think about distance from the, the nearest star sort of thing. Or if you want two stars, how does that affect your orbit? Or if you have three moons, how does that affect your tides? Right, right. It's like, oh shit, there's two moons up. Ties are going to get bad. Yeah. I read one story. I cannot remember the name of it several years ago that they just one offhand line that they had nine moons. And this, the person who made that comment was also talking about uh, ship travel on water. It's like, whoa, how does that affect tides? She never went into it. Not once. But it was just like this weird thing. It was like, what the fuck is happening on this planet? You know, if you just wanted to, to write a pretty funny story, sci-fi story, is you have a place with, like, multiple moons, so it really messes with the tide. And, like, it's every 500 years they converge, and they have this giant surf competition. That could be pretty funny. <laughs> it <laughs> like, just That made me think, uh, Alex, in Malazan, the moon at one point blows up. <laughs> it's, part of, it's part of the story. And that makes me wonder what, like, like the books don't go on long enough afterwards for it to be an issue. <laughs> but, like, that major city set on a lake might, uh, well, I just wonder what would happen to the tides in general. Well, it could also be, uh, you know, it depends on planet size as well, right? Mm. So if you have something the size of Saturn with Earth's moon, it's not going to mess with it as much as earth and our moon you know to the yeah. gravitational forces and mm. crap thinking of these moons and as the comment you made about light is uh 
I really love those images, very sci-fi fantasy type images of your, uh, a landscape, and then you see like planets or moons up in the sky. So I love those things, and usually they're way too big to actually ever be feasible because, <laughs> like, if you can see a planet that big in your like afternoon sky, yeah. you're probably getting kind of fucked up. <laughs> I did see an interesting thing as like what it what it looked like what Saturn would look like from Titan. Hmm. And it is actually uh, really big. Yeah. But then like the aspects of living right next to Saturn is that you're kind of stuck in its gravity well by the nature of being in its orbit and there's a lot of other things that get sucked in its gravity well too. Like meteors. Right. And it's, I don't know, it's a weird <laughs> line of thought. And if you can justify it, it can work. And that shit's pretty anyway. And that's sometimes worth it. Also <laughs> helps you just in trying to create an interesting world, just add a second moon and then walk through what that would do to the world and have fun with it. Yep. Either you can use it for justification or you can use it to help you build your own world. So, go away from the world aspect of the world building. Let's go into the population part of the worlds. Um, when you start adding in people, you kind of need to think of like where and why would they ever live there. Similar to what we're saying of the animals. Like, uh, do they have enough resources in one area to survive? Do they have enough trade to get it there? Or if they don't, um, usually people stick to water. So the population density is highest around water because of fishing also water uh, sustains drinking. life and crops and all that stuff oh yeah but it, it's just something that you have to like think of as humans migrate where did they go to for what reasons like did they try to just leave fucking hot ass sahara desert and then go to scandinavia just cuz <laughs> you know the hell happened right and then if you really want to get into that you can get into continental drift theory if you really want oh, yeah. to do some crazy shit and especially if you're tracking languages which is weird and not always uh, feasible because of missing pieces of history but like people were in the area of turkey and then they went up and north around through Siberia as well as down south towards like Korea and both those Siberian and Korean people went to Japan. So that's why Japan, a Japanese is kind of a Turkic Altaic language. Huh. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> the more you so know. So if you're if you know Japanese or Turkish, learning the other one's a little bit easier because the grammar's a little bit similar. So what I've heard. <laughs> Well, I'm not planning on... Well, I would like to learn Japanese, but I don't know if I'll ever it, get there. It's fun. It's also hard. Yeah, my wife <laughs> took you a couple years of it in college. And that's what she <laughs> yeah, said. that's my problem. I don't speak Turkish. <laughs> and then if you try to learn Turkish, the problem is that you don't speak Japanese. Yeah. But... Well, and then, you know, if you're really going to get into languages, then that also is going to affect the name conventions for characters, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can't just call a guy Bob when that has no real meaning or 
something in the language. It's got to be have, and then you get into dialect, you know, so you could have like two people who speak to the same language, but they're from, you know, New York and Texas. So they sound completely different to each other. They can kind of converse, but they really hate each other too because of it. Yeah, there's all sorts of weird stuff that gets in there if you're going to track languages. Yeah, because technically a Scottish person and someone from bumfuck Louisiana are speaking the same language, generally. But <sighs> both, like some, I personally sometimes would need subtitles for either of them, but they're still technically speaking English. Uh, well, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, there's like Creole and down in, you mm-hmm. know, Louisiana, which is heavy French, you know, and then Scottish. If it does, I mean, it's pretty much its own fucking language. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, so there's like the Scots Gaelic thing, but then there's also like, uh, they're technically speaking English, right? They're just really, really hard to understand. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's weird, and and that's it's really fun to to get into differences like that or the language drift, and it is so important when you're making things like names, names for areas, names for people. I think it was whatever book it had the Elric person in it. You read that, right, Colin? Elric, some Chronicles of Elric, something. Say Fullmetal Alchemist. <laughs> no, no, it was like the fantasy book, but his name was Elric. His last name was, but like. The main character is in, uh, you know, it's a fantasy world, entirely fantasy. And everyone's got the, like, highly fantasy names of everything that's unusual. Maybe there's apostrophes in there. But I remember hearing people complaining that the main character's name was Kyle. Oh. I'm pretty sure this dude's name, last name was Elric. Was I don't like, know about, I don't know about that, but, um, in some of the spinoffs from Malzen by, uh, Ian Cam and Esselman. Mm-hmm. So you've got typically people have weird fancy names, but Erickson gets around it by having every soldier basically be given a nickname that describes his temperament or something. So you've got a guy named Fiddler and a guy named Kindly. This one kid set off on Bumpon Continent in the middle of nowhere, surrounded by people with weird names, is named Kyle. And no one else in the book has a remotely regular sounding name. And it's just like, why is this guy named Kyle? To do he's exactly the what he's the main character. <laughs> huh, maybe that is the, the same book. I thought it was a different, but as I, I just know, I didn't read it. And I remember people arguing about it and like the justification in world. It's like, but that is so irregular in world. It's like, you know, the, the mother just went like, my baby has to have a fancy name type thing. Yeah, I don't think he gets that much of a background, <laughs> but just why, why Kyle? Yeah. I don't know. Sometimes. Oh, wait. Some maybe he does get a. I haven't read this like, book yet, so maybe he does get explained why. But. Yeah. It, it just it stands out very, very quickly since it's the main character. There are fantasy books that, like, mix real world names with fantasy names. Um, unfortunately, the only thing that really comes to mind at the moment is Terry Goodkind's Sort of Truth series. Because um, that series sucks. <laughs> I mean. Uh, I also. I'd also say uh, Vlad Talatov's series does that, but he also has an explanation that, like, the fantasy names belong to the fantasy creatures and humans have Hungarian names. Wheel of Time, he tends to either bastardize just regular names 
or use regular names. I mean, like, is, is Egwin a real name? Because that that seems really no. Weird. But uh, her name's Egwin Alvere, which is Guinevere. Ah, uh, oh. And then Perrin is um, I guess that's Patrick or something else. And one kid's named Matt. Yeah. And one guy's named Tom. Yeah, but they spell Matt funny because they took away the H. Or no, the T. There's it's actually Matrum. T. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just like, it's, they're very similar to normal names, but not. Evidenced by the fact I woke up 30 minutes before we recorded this, I thought Matt was spelled with, like, math. I liked his High King Math in the uh, Pride Wing Chronicles. But that was an actual king in Welsh history. I just remember reading it as a young kid and thought it was weird. Yeah. I mean, one of the things when, when world building is, it's a really simple shorthand thing to do. It's like, okay, this people in these areas are going to be German, and this people in these areas are going to be French, and those are going to be the Italians, and over there is going to be the Chinese. And you just, like, apply real-world cultures there, and it's it's a shorthand, basically, that you don't have to put as much effort into thinking of what they sound like from just scraps you can drop-in-place things. And if this is your first attempt at anything, don't feel like you ever have to do all of this because it's too easy to get lost in the weeds and it's why Directory Alex will never finish a book. Shut up! (laughs) I just think of Nilfgaard and the very clearly French guys from Witcher. Oh, Witcher's great. They've all got French names. And are they speaking French? Maybe. I haven't gotten that far. <laughs> Either they speak French, because like half the time I'm like, did I just hear something I recognized? But, or it's just bastardized, but I don't know enough French to know. <laughs> but they've got that French accent. Yeah. And God, which does everything amazingly, though, because <laughs> it's like, oh, there's kind of like the Middle Eastern people, and they're really interesting. There's kind of the more Germany people, and they're also interesting. And then there's Radovid, and he's fucking insane. Goes to show you that you can plop in place um, real-life mm-hmm. cultures and be fine. Just do it well. Yep, that, that's, the, that's the trick. Just do everything well, and you're good. Don't and suck. Sure well. <laughs> this, this reminds me of uh, our quote-unquote pep talk when we were playing intramural soccer in college like well guys like all right guys here's the game plan don't suck and don't let them score like thanks coach (laughs) just don't suck and you'll be fine yeah uh it's about witcher 3 though i just have to say i love how every other game gets compared to witcher 3 now and then it held up in shame that it doesn't (laughs) like stand up to their standards it's amazing because that is a standard thing need to be or also facial animations Mm. Like oh, God, Bioware, take it fucking hit. <laughs> but okay, no. back, oh, to, back to people was... and uh, populations and migrations. Like uh, when you're talking about like where people are living, also think of how they get there in terms of like, do they have the technology to go over a fucking mountain if they needed to, or go through a desert or whatever? I mean, did they have cart and horse in order to get there? Were they just walking on feet? Did they have a ship? It's like it's kind of important that that at least is internally consistent because if it took like say a ship to get to an island, then they don't have ships anymore. You have to explain that in some way. If you um, want to treat us on how all this works, just read Malison. 
<laughs> Seriously. He's got yeah. the people who, like there's one race who immigrates across the ocean and buries all their founding people in their canoes and now they don't have canoes anymore and generations later they forget the fact that they came across the ocean. Nice. And then you've got a city that was founded because there was rumor of a treasure in these hills so treasure hunters started going there started setting up camp camp stayed there people came then they discovered gas underneath the city and decided to stay there permanently and then the gas goes away and it's just a dried up oil boom town right pretty much yeah uh and then there's the people who settle in the plains because there's great herds of beasts that are easily tameable that you can just move with yeah, that's the big thing. He was an anthropologist for yes. a living before he wrote things. Yes, so. it shows very, very often. <laughs> and, like, why yeah, am I getting a lecture on this group's migrations here? Is this ever going to matter? Does he info dump it? Or? No, very rarely. So it's still well done. It's just yeah. like he manages to, to shove his anthropology focus in everything. Everywhere. Right. Um, like the when, city's under siege and one of the like barbarian groups in the hills may come to help them, may not. And then they find those buried canoes of their ancestors underneath that city. And in order to protect them, they have to come help the city now. Mm. So um, one thing that I think people should do when they're trying to world build is really look to history and just like, you know, Click around on Wikipedia and read a bunch of articles about historical things, and you'll learn a ton of things that you didn't know. Uh, and just as an example of that people sometimes don't always realize or think about is the treatment of Jews throughout history and where and why they could live. Like, the term ghetto actually came from uh, the part in Venice that Jews were allowed to live. They're not sure if it came from, like, the Venetian word or it was a Jewish-Hebrew word, but... Like now that's become its own thing. And it was like scripted out through history that legally Jews had to be in this one specific area. And half the time they were just kicked out for no reason because everyone hated them for fairly illogical reasons, but whatever. And if you're playing something like CK2, often you have the ability to just expel the Jewry out of nowhere. And take all the money. Yeah. It's just like, I don't hate the Jews. Why do I have this option? It's like they didn't do anything bad to me. Especially if they say loaned you money, you can still expel the jewelry. That's the best way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for all the gold. Get the fuck out. Yeah. And it's just like the population of just Jewish people is something that you can look at as to the forces that made them go or stay or whatever. And uh, I just I think that's something that people don't always know of. And it can be really enlightening if you didn't already know. But even other things, it's like if people wanted to pick up and move, like, do they physically have the capability to do it or like the threshold of quality of life? Would they say is worth it to go someplace? And also, would they be legally allowed to like something like serfdom kept people bound to plots of land? Whether or not it was good land. I was going to ask, why does fantasy seem to commonly associate elvish minorities with Jews? Do they? Typically, elves are the bottom rung of society, stuck in ghettos in their cities. Well, they did that in Dragon Age, but I don't know. Scoria tell a little bit. 
I don't know. I don't know. If Either elves really are the fit. high fantasy superior race, or they tend to be the marginalized race. I mean, I think most of the fantasy elves that we see is very Tolkien-esque in the fact that, like, similar that you see in, like, Dragonlance or whatever, is that they're the, the elves off in the forest, and they have their plant city, and they're just, like, long-lived and snooty. So, yeah, and it seems every time someone tries to urbanize them, they tend to end up the minority. And that does make sense, though, in terms of, like, yeah. they're the other. Yeah. If human is normal, then those other people are going to get downtrodden. Because that's what happens parallel, all the time. Parallel for the Jews. Or any other minority, like, any say, minority. black people. Romana, Romanish, Poles. Yeah, don't be a minority, basically. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, try to be equitable. But that drives motivations and populations and where people go. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to look about population migration, um, how did all the black people end up in America? It's a huge, big force. Please don't burn me at the stake. <laughs> Basically, there's every question in history you can look at, find an answer for, and then apply it to your own fantasy worlds. Mm -hmm. And then it'll be really interesting, and it'll be kind of good, right? Uh, Sure. So (laughs) there's also, like, uh, good examples of history of when the general guidelines don't work. Like, most things, uh, most cities, uh, were kind of dependent on growing grain, because that's the thing that people have lived on for so long. But Athens actually couldn't grow grain, and yet Athens was so powerful. It's like it could grow a little bit of wheat, but it actually just had to import pretty much all of it. And it could do that because it was that powerful of a trade center. And then as soon as there's an embargo, they're fucked up. Yeah, go to history and then realize all the failings and why this happened, and then apply them into your own fantasy settings and it's like oh i can just rewrite history and then it's my story yay and if you want to set a city in the middle of desert with no resource whatsoever trade lots of it lots of trade yeah speaking of desert cities why is it so important maybe it's a religious thing or it's uh you know a waypoint in between larger cities and they needed somewhere to stop yeah but in all likelihood, if a city in the middle of a desert was able to survive, um, unless it's in like modern times, like for example in Arizona, you can like if you look at the population growth per year, you can just see the year that air conditioning was invented <laughs> because it <laughs> booms, it's huge. But uh, if it's in a older times thing, they don't have air conditioning or even solid water. They probably are building off of an oasis, maybe, probably. Oasis, underground aquifer, large freshwater supply, etc., etc., etc. You need water to survive. But right. speaking of water, most people were drinking alcohol because it was safer and water was dirty. Unless you try to bring in non-carbon-based life forms, and then that completely changes the ballgame. Yeah, I have been assuming we've been working with carbon-based life forms this entire time. <laughs> My apologies. How dare you? <laughs> Sorry, y'all are the fantasy guys. I got to bring in the sci-fi on occasion. 
what happens when you come up, you know, with the, the city that's made by the, like, you know, the cloud people? That could be anywhere, right? Yeah, you could have a floating city and it can just go to water when it wants to, or it can go to the Ooh, desert when it wants to. And that'd be kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah, it was fun and I I was having fun with it and then my story fell apart. <laughs> I realized it was irreparable. But then like if you have the floating city, what is it really able to do? Like I was thinking of like how big is it and could it for example be used to transport hundreds of thousands of people like say soldiers in a war if it wanted to and and how fast yeah. does it move uh faster than other ways of transporting 100,000 people maybe can it just drop itself on cities and just be like <laughs> like the stompers yeah. in tron <laughs> like it's i mean it might take a year or two to get there but it it's the the fantasy version of the death star like <laughs> say, isn't that like just we win. <laughs> there goes your city. Yeah, and that was my thing. It's like, like, oh shit, this thing is big and it's powerful. Like, if it can do that, that's I wanted it to be able to do that. And then if it can do that, then it's far too powerful for it. Anything in my story to have actually been justified, because I was basing it on Venice, and it was pointed out to me that Venice was uh, on its way to controlling the world because of trade, because trade is so important. And the only reason that it's a, a tiny city right now is basically because of Napoleon. And if Venice was able to just drop people down that way, then uh, it would have taken over the world. So you need to find the old school DOS game Machiavelli because it's all about trading in <laughs> Venice. And if you do it right, you can become the Pope and the President. <laughs> It's great. You can assassinate people and bribe people. Yeah. Um, other times it's fun to, to to do CK2 because with all the, the expansions now, they almost basically added wizards. What the fuck is going on with myst- what's it, mystics and... Monks and mystics, yeah. Monks and it's, mystics. I mean, you can start doing evil satanic things and, like, cure yourself from stuff. You can, like, just... Uh, make someone else die if you want to if you do it. It's like, there's this mystic stuff that they've added in, and if you do it right, it's fantasy. It's magic. I think they kind of jumped that horse shark when they let you have horses as your lineage. That was a very specific thing that they allowed to do because of history, that you can make your horse your... uh, if you're, if you're a lunatic, you can appoint a horse to your council. Yeah, but then, but then doesn't he become a courtier as a, as person. a courtier? Yes, and then and like, then okay. marry him off, and people start becoming horses through mm-hmm. marriage <laughs> manipulation. Fantastic picture, the uh, step by step thing of how a guy did that once on the subreddit. It was great. It's, yeah, <laughs> like half the world was horses. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's anything fantastic with, that also includes the words horse, marriage, and offspring. <laughs> Frightening, sure. Interesting, yeah. Fantastic. You could have centaurs. Yeah. I mean, we've briefly talked about um, uh, Bojack Horseman. <laughs> That's a whole other level. I actually just rewatched <laughs> that entire series. It's, well, it's a whole other level of weird. Yes. 
but I still was really curious to know what the fuck happens to that baby when it's a human and an animal. Uh. There was a post on Reddit today of a pregnant woman's stomach being licked by a horse. <laughs> and then a picture of a baby with a horse mask on. <laughs> yep, that's how Bojack happens. I'm sure of it. Well, right. I, yeah. I don't want to get into spoilers, but we might actually get some answers to that down the line. <laughs> but it is... Like, I know Mal's and addresses crossbreeding and stuff. and Crossbreeding yeah. with the Utah raptors with swords for arms? No, but you have various... Humanity is one descendant of an ancient race, and you have several mm -hmm. branching races, along with other humanoid races that are unrelated, that do intermingle and have children, and you get a lot of crossbreeds. It's weird, but it it exists. Well, right. Then I mean, you have to figure out the whole thing about can these people actually get together and reproduce, you know? I remember a friend telling me about like a spreadsheet in D&D &D about who can have viable offspring with who. Like the thing that really stuck out to her as being ridiculous is that a gnome and a dragon could have viable offspring. But a gnome and a dwarf couldn't. And you think so, that like, gnomes... the, the short genes like crossing each other out? And... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Super dwarf, like a foot and a half tall. <laughs> You'd think that Gnomes and dwarves would be able to be uh, more similar and therefore more likely to be able to be viable, but apparently somewhere, well, someone decided, decided. Physi no. Physical similarity does not mean genetic similarity. That is true, but I think we were assuming that dwarves and gnomes were actually genetically related oh, a couple steps back. You know what assuming does? <laughs> more so than a fucking dragon. Although maybe it was a thing that dragons can have children with anyone, and I don't know. I was just getting it from my friend. Thankfully, Erickson never gives us an answer to whether or not a giant raptor lizard can sleep with a human. <laughs> but you know everyone's asking that question. Well, at one point, one character does get, like, pulled into a raptor matron's bosom and held mm. there. By swords. Ugh. No, she has just T-Rex arms. Oh. <laughs> So, giant raptor T-Rex guy cradling a little man in, his, in her arms against her uh, bosom. Um, <laughs> raptors have bosoms? The matrons do. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, culture's a weird thing that you can, you, you can use to... Obviously, you should be using it in your world building anyway for your storytelling, but you can definitely use it as to where and why people care about things like why are people fighting over jerusalem for so long probably a good question to ask yeah and, and uh, all of the conflict that it started and is still ongoing just one city why did we have all a because civil of war yeah um otherwise uh do you guys know of any tools that you use to build maps like, uh, I know some people use various game generator, map maker stuff. I've I never tried. I use 11x17 paper. <laughs> and a pencil. And a very light hand so I can erase cleanly frequently. Yeah, I, I've never tried. Uh, yeah. 
I'll leave it up to my I'll leave it up to my friends. Like it's all in my head. Like okay, it's uh, 500 miles here, or I'll write it down. Like it's so far here, here, and here. But in getting the search function is so useful. Right. Yes. Been there before. Search and see how long I said it took last time. I'm so happy I finally, after two plus years at my job, I finally got access to like Google Drive and my OneDrive. It's blocked for most people uh, for security reasons, uh, you know, so people aren't just uploading, se- you know, company secrets so yeah. they can sell them to the highest better. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, they finally got it. I'm like, oh, thank God I can, like, what I've been doing is I have a USB drive with open office portable on it. And so I've just been re- moving that around computer. <laughs> so now I can finally <laughs> write and search. Search and everything. It's so nice. Yeah. Um, I also do mainly the, the paper and pencil, and then I make more permanent lines and pen. And if I just like it, I just get to a new paper. I have tons and tons of paper around me and a, a huge mess at the end of it and, and lots of frustration. See, but um, it's still fun. Y'all can draw. I cannot. I cannot draw. I can draw mm-hmm. maps. That is significantly different. Because having a shaky hand is actually useful for drawing, like, lines. lines. Yeah. (laughs) See, and uh, thinking about it now, I've never really come across a land issue in travel in my writing yet. Like, yeah, it takes time to get there, but they're going to get there. It's not like, oh, no, mountains are in the way. They just get there. And then also in the space travel, there might be, like, asteroids, but it doesn't really need, like, a quote-unquote map. Yeah. Not yet, I mean, anyway. Honor Harrington series takes place in space, and uh, there's a map in the beginning of the book, and it's like, okay, there's a dot, and there's a dot, and there's a dot. That's the map. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I have used other like programs for building maps because sometimes I'm overthinking it. It's like, I just need something to help me, and it'll be perfect, right? Uh, I have used Campaign Cartographer 3, which is sometimes held up as a really good idea or for some people. And you can make really pretty images of it, but it doesn't help you make a really reliable map. You still need to use rules of how and where mountains show up. Because it just gives you like this brush and you just like click through mountains and then you can apply it. But I don't know. It can be nice and helpful. And it does have the useful thing of like if you're making the coastline, then it gives you a very graded amount of like line and then you can do things and uh, a not uniform stroke, which can be really helpful. I've also like, if you go to the world building subreddit, there's all sorts of tutorials of how to make something random looking. And they like, you go into Photoshop and you take a picture of clouds, then you do something weird with the contrast (laughs) and then you change the contrast again. And then you do another thing and then you have this landmass and it's weird looking. Okay, but is it like makes sense in terms of tectonics? I don't know. <laughs> they try, and it's useful. It's I think it's a really useful uh, web or resource sometimes, especially if you post it, and they'll like tell tell you all the things that you're doing wrong. But um, I know other people like decide to use Civ map maker stuff or. Age of Empires or something, but I think the best thing to do is just trial and error and pen and paper. Do you, okay, because we're getting near the end, so I'm going to 
going to ask this question so we can kind of close out here. Do y'all have any locations in your stories that you're just like, hmm, I don't know how this is going to work, but it's too cool of an idea not to use. Like, At some point, I'm going to go back to that Sky City thing and just revamp the entire thing. <laughs> I don't know. I'm creating well, a giant underground kingdom of dwarves and it's like at what point does this become too big for feasibility yeah how does the oxygen flow work do they even need oxygen i assume they need oxygen i don't know (laughs) depends on if it functions with oxygen or not (laughs) yeah well uh yeah it's something you need to explain and at some point scale is a huge factor in that Right. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I've got this idea for a location. I just don't know how it's going to work, but it's essentially a canyon or a, a bowl canyon giant, like miles across that is a permanent hurricane inside of it. Uh, so that, and I'm trying to figure out how that's going to work, but we're right now, I'm just kind of hand waving it, but eventually I'll have to figure out like magic or science or something to have this permanent the trapped raging essence of a demon. Ooh. Ooh, that's good. But do you really want it to be a demon? Because that's kind of a lot of baggage. Well, I assume something that's a permanent raging hurricane would be something significant with lots of baggage. Yes, but demons, demon has baggage. And is that actually the word you want to use? Do you want to use something else? I don't know, man. I don't know if uh, that that uh, that brings up an entirely other question about like how we're going to handle like death and souls and stuff and True. religion because religion yeah. is usually the places where we get your cuss words right right and the uh, the hurricane is part of the initiation for this religion ish thing we're doing like you get dropped in into the eye of the hurricane you have to survive and get out. I mean, actually, when you were describing it, I was thinking of the Disney Hercules movie and the like torment of souls and Hades and never seen it. And how much do those people know of you? You're the Disney nerd and you've not seen that one. (laughs) I know there there, there's a couple of movies right in there that I didn't see. It was one of probably during one of my parents really weird boycotts of it, which is weird to say because my mom is like the giant biggest Disney person ever now. But yeah. Yeah, just 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 don't worry about it. It's it's a weird thing. <laughs> yeah, but it's been out for twenty years, dude. Well, yeah, you know what? There's some other really important movies I haven't seen yet either. <laughs> you don't need to watch The Office for the twenty fifth time, okay? <laughs> you have it memorized already. I mean, come on. Like, yeah, there are some important movies I'm still trying to check you know, get off the checklist. Like Godfather <sighs> Two and Goodfellas. <laughs> yeah. Colin's head turns. Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> like there, there's right, a few again, rite of I, passage I think, movies from college I just missed. I think we should just plug our shit and close out the episode because we're now Before just we getting into get shit talking each other instead of being productive. All right, plug stuff. Uh, you can find me at uh, at Jacob Ingles on Twitter. You can also find me on Great Scott if you're a fan of The Office. Uh, below down in links on the podcast, and I'll put on here on YouTube if you want two free Audible books. And also to help us out, there'll be a link down there, so click on that. 
Uh, we're at what broke uh, or patreon.com forward slash broken jars. We have a whole bunch of new rewards out there. So if you want to check that out, and more bro- to come as soon as we get the logistics figured out, at broken jars pod on Twitter, mm-hmm. YouTube, broken jars something. I don't know exactly what our YouTube URL is if we have one. Uh, we do. What else? Be broken jars broadcasting, broken jars at XYZ. If you want to visit us on the internet. So yeah, we're all over the place. Uh, <laughs> if you want stickers, let us know. Cause we're about to have some stickers you can put on shit. Well, no, no. Become a $3 reward tier. And you can get go. a sticker. Get a sticker for free. Yeah. Well, not for, for free, for $3. <laughs> <laughs> right. But you also get yeah. other stuff besides the sticker. You get to ch- hang out with us on the discord and chat all, all day instead of working. Yeah, that's fun. Right? <laughs> or we're just too crazy and um, we're all, just like we're also on Reddit, uh, but no one ever uses it. But it's there. <laughs> you want to look at a graveyard? There's mm-hmm. like 200 posts up there, but <laughs> no comments. It's like seven people subscribe to it, and it's like just broken jars people. But it would be nice if that became its own forum thing that we can use. It just someone needs to start with it. Um, yeah, we've got other other podcasts. We've got the Great Scott and the Dresden Files and Dangerous to Go Alone. Uh, that's it. Uh, past things we've got um, specials and Forty Two. And if you want to follow us particularly on Twitter, I'm Alex underscore Kelson. Alex spelled with an I. I don't know. I'm, I might be ranting about my urban fantasy thing. So if you really want to follow that along, you can do that. And you just throw like bombs in there every once in a while just to fuck with her. It's fun. It's not a ripoff of Dresden. Yet. <laughs> it's not. It Yet. really isn't. I swear. Don't crucify me. Well, then set it somewhere not. else besides Chicago. But Chicago's the only big city that I know, well, like have been to and have experience with. You know That's what? Important. You can walk through cities with Google Maps. Just do that. Place it in Seattle so it's always rainy and you can do cool shit with rain. <laughs> but I like Chicago and I've built things around Chicago. Well, yeah. Well, then you're it's never not going to be a Dresden knockoff or called a Dresden knockoff. Colin, you want to plug stuff? I ain't got nothing. Okay. I'll fault anyway. <laughs> I'll plug my new beautiful Nintendo Switch. <laughs> I really like. I really want one of those. All right, so I think that's it. So yep. thanks for coming out, Brooke. Bye, guys. Uh, bye. bye, guys. Bye.